welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Scott. Hey, James. How's uh, sheltering in place going? It's good. It's uh, the exact same as I always live my life. So no complaints here. Yeah. I'm, I'm missing seeing people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's manageable. I was telling you, I'm not sure how people with kids who are home right now and people working from home and all the craziness going on, I salute all of you. You are better men and women than I will ever be. Oh, well, you'll, in due time, my friend, in due time. And it's, that's life, I guess, right? it's a, there's two sides to the coin, right? It's, it's a blessing in so many ways. We get to spend more time with our, our loved ones and our little ones. And at the same time, you can long for life to return to normal. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Greater appreciation for normalcy after this. Speaking of what's not normal, um, Congress just passed the largest stimulus package ever. Yes. The CARES Act. Yes. Over $2 trillion. That's a lot. Sounds like a lot. Of, it is. It's a ton of, kind of an unfathomable amount of money, um, yeah. but it's here. And today, let's chat a little bit about what that could mean to listeners and things that they could be looking to do to make sure that they either help themselves or help others if Let's they know they're in need. Let's do it. And now I, a big part of that was going to corporations and, and, and bailouts and stuff like that, which probably won't apply to our listeners. But I think what we can break down is how does this impact individuals, just individual taxpayers, individual citizens? How does it impact uh, small businesses? And then how does it impact just basic tax and retirement planning type provisions? So I think we'll separate it into those three high-level categories and just give a summary of how each of those is impacted. Sounds good. Which one do you want to start with? Individuals. Let's do that. Okay. So one of the interesting things, and I'm just going to start with, um, one of the interesting things is foreclosures and evictions are basically um, frozen right now. And how long will that, what does that look like? How long will that last? Yeah, so based on the way it's written, um, if you have a loan that's federally backed, meaning it went through like Sally or Fannie or Freddie, um, it's included. And that includes... um, multifamily office. And then um, basically what happens is the people, so the banks who are servicing those loans, they can't do foreclosure proceedings um, during the covered period. And basically borrowers can get up to a year of not having to pay mortgages. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's obviously a big one because with, what was it? The record number of people, I think, Three and a half million, three point three million, or something. People filing for unemployment last week. Yeah, uh, 
a big deal. A lot of people out of work or, or their income's been cut by quite a bit and mortgage and rent, those are oftentimes biggest expenses. So I think yeah. that will help to alleviate a lot of that pressure. You know, we mentioned that last week that there were even some banks proactively saying, we'll help you get through this. But now there's actually a law in place that they have to hold themselves to as well. Right. So if you are in a place where you're having trouble making, meeting your commitments with your mortgage, um, it would behoove you to, at minimum, I would be going to your, your um, loan servicers website and learning more information about the steps that you should take if you do need to. Um, ask for forbearance on your mortgage for the time being. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so no foreclosure on federally backed mortgages. Um, that is certainly a big part of this. Uh, another yeah. I think the, the next thing that ties into it would be, because um, you might think, well, oh my gosh, if I don't pay my, my mortgage, that's going to hurt my credit. Um, but one of the things they specifically addressed is credit reporting during this period of time. And what does that look like? Yeah. So basically, if you um, if you're you know you skip a payment or you defer a payment because of this COVID virus that's going around, um, they're not allowed to call that the mortgage servicer, whoever that person is, the credit card company isn't allowed to consider this a delinquent payment. Um, it'll be listed as current. So you kind of get a little bit of a break there. If you are unable to pay your, make your payments on time. Right. Yeah. Ordinarily, if you miss a payment, that's a huge knock on your credit report. Yes. But they're, they're wait, there's a grace period for the next however long here, um, just because of what's going on. <laughs> and, and the fact that a lot of people will be missing payments or asking for payment deferrals. Exactly. And so it's for payments that it came February 1 on this year. If it happened before but then, it would still be considered delinquent. 2014 and ask for forbearance on that. It's, uh, it's current payments that you're missing. Yes, 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 absolutely. But that's another good, that's another good component. Um, what, what else did you see for help for individuals in the CARE Act? Yeah, I think the biggest one um, that a lot of people will be thinking of is, is there's a check that a lot of people will receive or a direct deposit that certain people receive based upon income. Yeah, that works. Is there'll be there'll be payment to taxpayers, and if you, um, well, the payments are twelve hundred dollars per individual. So if you file taxes single, you can get up to twelve hundred dollars. If you file taxes married, you double that, so twenty four hundred dollars per couple. And then there's also five hundred dollar payment per qualifying child, which I believe is children seventeen years old and under. Yes. Um, now to be eligible for that, you have to have an income that was under a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. If you are single and made less than $75,000, then you're fully eligible for the full $1,200 payment. If you are married and your combined income is $150,000 or less, then you're eligible for the full $2,400 payment. Yep. Above there, that, There's a head of household amount too, which I forget off the top of my head. But then also if you have those, like if you have five kids who are under 17, then you'd have an extra $2,500. And then there's a phase out of that AGI number as well, right? Right. As you start making above those numbers, I think it's, what is it, five cents for every dollar you make above that is what yeah. health and benefits. So that you've, if, if you make over 99000 as a single filer or over 198000 as a married filer, uh, 
you don't get any benefits at that point. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, that'll be, you know, I think it's something like there was a, a tax policy uh, foundation that said something along the lines of like 90% of Americans should see um, some type of payment come back to them through mm-hmm. this form. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now, one, one thing to remember there is they're going to figure out what you should get based on 2018 or 2019 taxes. So um, a, a, a thing that it will be interesting, if you know someone who hasn't filed taxes in the past because maybe they haven't had enough income, um, they would need to file a, a tax return in order to get this benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or, or on top, maybe uh, 2019 was a great year for you and you made a bunch of money and 2018 wasn't such a hot year. And now with coronavirus, you're struggling a little bit. Uh, if, if you haven't filed your 2019 taxes yet, then maybe hold off a little bit on that wait, because they're going to base this payment on 2018 or 2019 taxes, whatever has been filed most recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so be mindful of that. If, you, if you're out of work now, but you had a great year last year in 2019 and you file taxes, that's what they're looking at. Now, Scott, I don't know. I, I read a couple different things. If someone, um, if their income drops, say they didn't, wouldn't qualify based on 2019 or 2018 numbers, but this year they're out of work because of a coronavirus shutdown. Yeah. Are they eligible for that 1200 or 2400 retroactively, retroactively come next year's tax filing? I, I heard conflicting things on that. I, I want to say in Jeff Levine's article on Kitsis was that it, all of this is going to be based on 2020 in the end. So if you actually needed it in 2020, you will get it, but it'll be too late is what he was saying, which I would kind of, the way they structured this doesn't seem to me the best way to get people cash fast, but we're dealing with, we're going to use what they gave us. Um, people, if you are, however, that does jump to another benefit that if you are out of work, um, which would include self-employed workers. So like independent contractors, freelancers, people in what we might call the gig economy nowadays, um, you can file for unemployment claims, which mm-hmm. in the past, sole proprietor, small business owners couldn't file for unemployment claims. So that is a place that you can go to get funds if you can't necessarily get it right now based on the 2018 or 2019 tax returns. Yes, yes, absolutely. And on top of so uh, unemployment benefits currently, so before all this, it's, it was a state benefit that you would receive. Right. On top of that, they're saying you're still eligible for your state benefits. And on top of that, the federal government is also paying up to $600 per week uh, for up to four months of unemployment as well. So trying to really expand the unemployment provisions that are paid for those that need it. Exactly. So the, the, that additional 600 a week for up to four months now, and then the benefits, um, I think the overall benefit, unemployment benefits now extended up to 39 weeks because they're worried about kind of how long this takes to get, get the economy back working, Mm -hmm. uh, which is longer than what normally the benefit is. Normally I think it's about 26 or a six month period of time. Right. Right. Definitely. And then one more thing, uh, with that, the $1,200 check or the $2,400 check, if you're eligible and you qualify, uh, it looks like that's not taxable. So when you receive that, that's, that's probably just a tax free check that you can use, spend, (laughs) put back into the economy. I think they're calling, yeah, tax credits, technically what they're calling it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have unemployment benefits are expanded. We have immediate payments to taxpayers through checks. We talked about um, there won't be any foreclosures on mortgages that are federally backed. What's next? Do we, 
Did we talk about student loans yet? No, so student loan relief is, is going to be important to a lot of people as well. Um, basically, payments are, they're deeming them suspended um, until September 30th of 2020, and you will not accrue interest during that time. So it's not like they're making payments for you and your balance is going to go down, but everything, it's kind of like everything just hit, hits pause um, for up to September 30th of this year. Yes. And I think with that, I think what I read is um, those, unless you are proactive about it, you're, if you have a, a federal student loan that you're paying, it's not just going to pause for you. You have to be proactive in terms of shutting that down if you want to uh, stop yeah. September. Yeah. And, and it won't surprise me if, you know, federal loan, the Fed loan servicing providers are kind of notorious for being difficult to deal with. Um, Cause they're just a big bureaucracy wrapped in a bureaucracy. So it won't surprise me if they, if things aren't uh, laid out really simplistically and, and easy to deal with, but from the way everything's written, it looks like you can stop um, your payment through September and it can't affect you as far as payments are considered. Nothing would be considered delinquent. There would be no interest charged. So you should, it seems like you can take that on yourself and, and do that um, online if possible. Uh, the other interesting thing that I read about was um, uh, these periods of time would still, uh, should still count for public student loan forgiveness. So if you're trying to hit the 120 payments, and I'm not going to dive too deeply into what that is, but there's a period of time you can make payments to have the rest of your loan forgiven. This period of time, even if you don't make those payments, these months will still count toward public student loan forgiveness. So if you are in public student loan forgiveness, you want to look into that because that's a way for you to help reduce uh, the amount of money that you're going to owe in the long run for yourself. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think those are the main individual benefits, right? Or uh, obviously there's 800 and something pages to this law. So there's definitely more, but that's, those are the high level, uh, benefits or stimulus provisions for individuals. Anything else we're missing though, before we move on? No, I think those are the main ones. So why don't we move on to, um, for small business owners? Cause there's a, there's some provisions in here to help, hopefully help small business owners. If, if we can get all this working, um, uh, quickly. Yeah. I think this is a big one because so many small businesses, you're all of a sudden things are going great until a month ago. And now you're kind of forced into this situation where depending upon what type of business you have, it, it just dried up. Mm -hmm. people can't come see you people aren't purchasing your product anymore whatever it may be uh so there was a need for some heavy uh, stimulus in that area and the, the big thing when the first ones is you're you're eligible for what can potentially be a fully forgivable loan so pretty much just a grant um mm -hmm. equal to up to two and a half months of payroll yeah well if you look at last year's payroll take the average payroll costs and whatever that is multiply that by two and a half you're eligible for a loan that could be completely forgiven um, up to that amount. Granted, you meet certain provisions of that. Yeah, and you know, there, there's a lot of detail in here really quick. Um, so I don't even know how deep we want to get into it today for all the different nuances that exist. But, you know, that loan that you can get is, as you were saying, up to two and a half months of payroll, um, which is good to know. And it's, it's capped at, I think, $10 million, which most small businesses, I don't think, will be tapping $10 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
but the the interest rate on the loan will be four percent, and its its maximum maturity is going to be ten years. Um, and then they were going to allow um, you to defer paying the loan and interest on the loan and fees for six to six months to a year, so that you had some time to hopefully weather this storm with all of the sheltering in place before the economy gets going again, and we have time to get. Um, money back in the coffers to start paying this loan back. Yeah. And, and as a borrower, you're eligible for to have that entire loan forgiven. Um, yeah. If you use it for payroll costs and those don't decline, meaning you're not laying people off, which is of course a challenge when revenue dries up. So if you're able to maintain payroll, if you're able to maintain the amount you're paying in rent and certain utilities, things like that, if the full amount of the loan can be used for that, it's forgiven, which is essentially just a grant that is given, tax-free grant to be able to help fund operations for short-term, um, waiting for things to improve down the road. Yeah, yeah. and then you'd already mentioned, obviously, you can use it for payroll, but you can use it, I think you'd already said rent, interest payments on mortgages, utilities, mm-hmm. kind of, it's essentially, any, it's, any, it's an extension of, in a sense, a loan just to, to keep the essentials working. To right. hopefully help you weather the storm, and I and I hope that it, uh, they roll it out in a manner that it's easy to get funds to people who really are in need and can use it. Yeah, and I think that one of the important things to note with this is this isn't just like businesses that have a whole bunch of employees. If if you're a sole proprietor and you run your own business and you've been impacted by coronavirus and some of the shutdowns around it, you're eligible. If you're an independent contractor and you've been impacted by some of the shutdowns, you're eligible. So. It, it's it's really vast in terms of who's eligible for this. You just have to have fewer than 500 employees, which most small businesses, just by definition, all of them pretty much have. But even if it's just you and your business, you're potentially eligible, assuming you've been hit by some of the shutdowns. Yeah, the thing that, that's going to be tough there, for I think, for the small, small business owner who's running it on their own is that oftentimes they use the they use their their business status to their benefit to defer, you know, to, to maybe expenses and income and all those things. And they, you know, they use everything to their benefit as they, with, with hopefully with their accountant's approval, um, but it helps drive down their costs, you know, or drive down their, their income. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how, how they've structured themselves, it may or may not be as helpful as we, as Congress would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in that case, you know, if, if that is the case and they don't apply for this, then again, business is really hurting, then it may be those expanded unemployment benefits that are Yeah. Better. Another place to go look. Absolutely. And it's looking at all those things in concert is, is going to be helpful. Right. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, there, there's what's called an employer retention credit, where obviously Congress and government's trying to prevent layoffs as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so certain credits for if you, um, if you maintain your full operation, if you don't lay people off, you get a tax credit up to 50% of a certain amount of employees' wages. Again, we won't dive too deep into that, but just know that there is uh, payroll credits that are eligible as well. Now, to be eligible for that, you can't have participated in the loan, the forgivable loan program. Yeah. Kind of a separate thing. And then there's also a, a, a provision, again, also available for people that didn't participate in a loan program where you can defer payroll taxes. So any payroll taxes between now and the end of the year can be deferred until the end of 2021 and the end of 2022, where you'd essentially pay half December by 20, December 31st of 2021 and the other half by December of 2022. So it's just a way of either kicking some expenses down the road to when business is up and running and good again, 
or you have a loan program that gives you an immediate injection of cash if that's what's needed today. It's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? Because we're saying, hey, don't worry about funding Medicare and Social Security now. We'll do it later. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it'll, it'll create some, uh, some trickle-down effects, for better or worse. Yeah, the coffers of Social Security and Medicare, interesting, interesting. I mean, it's, it'll, hopefully it'll be helpful for small business owners and help us all get going again. Um, that's good, but it's, it's interesting when you think about what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, fair. Uh, any, anything else for small business owners? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of great links we'll just throw in the show notes that have a lot more in-depth information because there's a ton. Yeah. I think we'll just keep it high level for that. The one I was thinking about is U.S. Chamber of Commerce has put out a great deal of information around um, COVID coverage for small business. So I think that's a a great place to go learn more. Um, And they're they're taking the time and putting in the effort to to link up to resources to help people know what they can do next. Right. Yeah, I have that in front of me right now. That's exactly what I'm looking at. I think that's probably the best resource, a short, succinct summary of what's available to small business owners. Okay, great. Um, well, why don't we, uh, you, how about we transition into kind of um, tax filing? Cause you know, we're, we're, we're going to be running this at the beginning of April. Um, so if, if people hadn't heard yet, um, taxes have been uh, tax filings and payments of when taxes are due have both been extended for both businesses and individuals on the federal side. Um, when is that now, James? July 15th now. And so if you want, you know, instead of April 15th, like it was, it's been pushed back three months. Yep. So, so um, and that's for filing your taxes, but also for paying your taxes owed, um, which would include April estimates as well as taxes that would have been due in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an important note there is that the June 15th estimate, if you send in estimates for your, annually for yourself, still do June 15th. Kind of interesting that they didn't kick that one down the road. Um, yes. so, so like your, your Q1 estimates and your, and your 2019 payment is now due after your Q2 estimate. Right. But just keep that in mind. And then the other thing is um, check with your states to see if they've moved their deadline too. I, I know that California moved theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a double check with your, your individual states. And then if you, you know, usually we talk about IRA contributions or Roth IRA contributions, you have until tax deadline to do that. Mm-hmm. With these extensions also came extensions for, for when you can contribute to an IRA or Roth IRA as a prior year contribution. So yeah, that's a great point. And, and then the, you know, the other thing I would notice if you know that you're going to get a refund, don't delay it, right? Just go ahead and file for the refund. Now um, they'll still send that to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. Um, RMDs are waived. This is kind of an interesting one. Yeah. What's RMD stand for again? A required minimum distribution. So if you are if you are seventy two or older, or if you have an inherited IRA that you inherited from someone that was not a spouse, yeah, you make money out of that account every single year. Yeah. Uh, not this year. That was something that they announced is going to be waived. So if you have a required distribution, you can still take it if you want but you don't, you're no longer required to take it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so that actually makes for an interesting planning opportunity for clients. If, if you don't need the money, if you have to take RMDs already, but you don't need the money, um, an interesting year when you could potentially do uh, a Roth conversion, 
for the same amount, right? And markets are down right now. So it's kind of a, an interesting time to do that because um, you don't have to, to have that income this year. You could choose to either delay it, one, or you could take it, but move it over into a Roth and let it grow tax-free from then on. Right. So something that, to be mindful of. Right. Right. Exactly. 401k loans or, or distributions even. There's yeah, distributions and loans, both, right? So for um, uh, 401k loans, typically the max was $50,000 a year or half the amount of the balance. Now they're letting you go up to 100% of the balance or $100,000, which uh, hopefully you don't have to go touch during this time but if you do it is there and you could obviously do it as a loan but then also the hardship distribution they opened up as well right 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 so that the hardship distribution also i think they maxed out at 100k this year and they also waived the 10 percent penalty so james if you needed to take a hundred thousand from your 401k right now you would have to pay that 100k would get counted as income for you this year but you wouldn't owe an extra um, ten thousand dollars in taxes for taking it before you're fifty nine and a half. Right, that's, the penalty is gone. That's that's waived. So that's that is that will be helpful. Um, and then the other thing was with the hardship distributions, you you that hundred k I just described for you, James, would be taxable, but you could spread out that tax over the next three years. You don't have to take it all in one year. Yes, which would help to offset that because that's probably a big tax bill. If I yeah, this year. absolutely. So that, it, that, it, that will be helpful. Um, helpful there. Yeah. yeah. Any other, um, any other things that you saw in the, in the care act? Um, there was one with charitable giving. It's kind of a, a weird one of uh, typically if charitable giving, you can deduct it if you itemize deductions. So it, I think 10%, 20%, I forget the exact number. Uh, a relatively small percentage of the overall population itemizes anymore with the increase of the standard deduction. But now what they're saying is you can contribute up to $300 to charity and have that being above the line dedu deduction, which just means that even if you don't itemize, you can still take the deduction for it. Kind of a weird one. It's not, it's not going to be a huge tax savings to anyone, even if you were in a super high tax bracket. I guess they're trying to encourage people to maybe donate to, to causes that will help the coronavirus relief, but yeah. that's something just to be mindful of, not going to sway anything, any major direction, but it's out there. Yeah. Interesting that they added that one, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the other, the other interesting one was they, they, they said you could gift up to a hundred percent of your adjusted gross income, which normally we cap that depending on whether you're giving from stock or cash at, at certain percentages. And now they're just like, Oh, just go ahead. You can, you can do as much as you want. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, Interesting time to do that. So I suppose they're trying to get ultra high net worth people to go ahead and give all their money away this year. Yeah. Um, I gotta imagine that they're trying to incentivize it somehow. You know, you, you could theoretically pay zero dollars in income tax if you gave hundred percent of your money away for this year, your income away this year. Yeah, yeah. So interesting that they did that. Um yeah, yeah that so much to cover here. So many different things that, that could be utilized to help people. Um, yeah, I think those, those are the big high level components. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, I'm just looking through notes here. Anything else you want to mention? 
You know, the, the thing that I want to mention is just um, <laughs> take care of yourself and take care of others. Um, if you heard anything along here that you went, oh, that could help so-and-so, like your, your friend down the street, let them know. Um, the more we can help each other out, the better off we're all going to be. So, um, you know, if you found any of this helpful, um, for one, go find the deeper resources. We'll, we'll link to um, a few articles that we've come across for the CARE Act, as well as um, some direct links to things like uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. But just please try to help each other through this time. And yeah. I think the biggest thing that we can do. Awesome. Well, thanks, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Personal Finance. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for the list of the resources or the notes that we spoke about on today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co and search for episode number 41. To ensure that you hear the latest episode, whether we're talking about updates with the coronavirus crisis or anything else, make sure that you're subscribed to our show. Subscribing to our show, make sure that every single Wednesday morning as a new episode is released, you will be notified of that new episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.